There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Food that's good for the environment, good for the people who eat it, and good for the people who grow it. They pick it so it's beautiful when it comes to market, and you get to enjoy that. Local businesses is the, the first place that we can directly support somebody. You've got to believe in what you do, and if you stick to that, then you're getting there anyway. Hey, what's up? Steph Postumi here with another Quicksand Food Podcast. Today, I speak with Emma Huber from Sandy Goodwich in Wollongong. Sandy Goodwich is a fantastic local cafe. They make everything from scratch. They've got some absolutely fantastic sandwiches that they put a lot of effort into, making everything from scratch, sourcing good free-range ingredients, and putting it all together to make some really interesting sandwich flavor combinations. They also make fantastic pastries and croissants, which they supply to a lot of cafes around the Illawarra. I had a great chat with Emma. We talk a bit about the industry and some of the challenges that hospitality is facing at the moment. And she also gave us a fantastic recipe for their vegan sandwich for the Illawarra cookbook. So please enjoy this chat with Emma Huber from Sandy Goodwich in Wollongong. You told me yesterday that you spent a long time out of hospitality and came back. So why did you come back? And why did you choose to come back with sandwiches? Um, uh, The whole time I was at uni, so like 12 years or so, I worked in bars uh, and uh, sort of kitchen hand stuff and working with my mum in her pastry kitchen. And I never got it out of my blood. It's, yeah. You can't. Yeah. You, what is it about it though? What is it that? What is it that sticks with you? Because I'm I miss it as well. Like not having done it for probably four years now. You miss it. Yeah. And it's like what you say. It's like sometimes at the time that you know hospitality is a, a tough tough industry and you know it's hard. But yeah, you miss it. And I don't know. What do you think it is about? Uh, lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, uh, obsessive personality. Um, I can't. I don't rest until something's right. Mm-hmm. So, or at least I think it's right, or I'm happy with it. Um, and hospitality allows for that. It allows you to be creative, but also uh, it's a trade. So you could actually make a, a living out of it. Mm-hmm. So I did art at uni, and that's creative as well. But you, you either you either give your life to it, mm-hmm. and you. You know, you, you live as an artist, um, or you kind of end up as a graphic designer. Mm. But I think um, being in the kitchen allows you to be creative, but also make some sort of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you can, 
really make a mark. I think you know if you choose one particular thing that you enjoy, uh, you can excel at it. I think, yeah. um, and you can specialise in it if if that's what you what you choose to do. Do you, do you think that like with with art, it, it is a creative pursuit and people like have an aspiration of being a successful artist and making their living doing that and potentially like you know and there's a creative side to hospitality as well but do you think that a lot of the time people who go into running a business have a sort of a false ideal in their head that it's going to be all creativity and you know I'm just going to be making the cakes that I make and, or, or whatever it is that they're passionate about creatively but they, they underestimate the aspect that is owning is owning and running a business yeah i think absolutely um and it's a constant battle to find a balance between what you're okay with creatively and possibly morally uh and what is actually um sustainable in a business sense and i think if you can find that balance then uh i would love to know Mm. i'd love to know how you do that um i yeah, it's a definite challenge every day. But the only reason that we continue to uh, run the businesses that we have is because we enjoy the creative freedom that we have. Mm-hmm. That, that, I think, is the only reason I would do it because yeah. you'd be paid more as a head chef somewhere else. Yep. But as a business owner um, where you're trying to do something that you're morally okay with um, and paying yourself comes last every week... Mm. Um, the only reason that I continue to do it is because of the, the creative freedom that you have. Awesome. Do you, do you sort of regiment how you divide your time between the creative aspects and the practical aspects? In a sense, like, you know, do you, do you say, instead of saying, I'm going to get someone else in to make croissants, do you say, croissants is my time and it's the thing that I enjoy so I'm going to include it in my regiment and outsource other things because it's important for me to keep a level head because that's the thing I like doing most I think that's why bookkeepers have a job Yeah, um, I outsource to a bookkeeper regularly and I save the things like making croissants which I find almost cathartic of course. Um, for, for my own time yeah. Mm-hmm. I could look it would be a hell of a lot cheaper to buy in someone else's um, it would um, save me a lot of time um, it would save me a lot of stress particularly in the middle of summer when it's 35 degrees and about 90% humidity and it just like you're ready to pull your hair out but that pre- provides you with another challenge mm. and I think if you um, are passionate about what you do you will relish and often seek out a challenge and see if you can overcome it mm. um just winding back a little bit, why why did you choose sandwiches? Ha. Um, I always loved a good sandwich. Yeah. Um, Jan, Everyone does. Yeah. No, actually, Jon used to hate sandwiches. He didn't used to like eating bread. Um, and I would make him sandwiches and he'd say, that's actually not bad. <laughs> um, but it was um, something just that we in, enjoyed eating ourselves and thought that maybe maybe you could do like quite a good sandwich yeah maybe you could do a make a thing out of just having a really good sandwich and yeah and to to get to where you want to be obviously there's a high level of attention to detail and you know making all ingredients from scratch and stuff like that is it hard to educate a customer that you're not just making a sandwich that that, that the sandwiches at Sandy Goodwich are not just sandwiches and, and that it's worth paying the money for them like 
Ah, uh, yes. I think that's a whole another podcast in itself yeah. that you could <laughs> apply. You, you could apply that. Oh, but I could make that at home to anything and everything mm. that people can review on TripAdvisor. Mm-hmm. Like it's it it is the bane of my existence. Yeah, okay. Um, and and not just mine. You talk to any other chef, I reckon they'd say the same thing. If you reckon you can make it at home for half the price, please be my guest. <laughs> and, and and it just. With my head. Sorry, <laughs> right. it, um, but I I would never say to a plumber or a lawyer I could I could do that like that's not a big deal um, and I think for some reason um, food and particularly a sandwich because yeah you can you can make a tuna sandwich at home anytime you want I'm not going to say you can't you can buy one from the server if you want I, whatever I I just. To try and explain to people that what we make is fourteen dollars fifty worth is is nigh on impossible, mm. and I don't. They don't have the time or the inclination to listen to me if I say, "Well, there's hours and hours of, of research and practice in that." That's putting aside the experience that Jon had working in one and two hat restaurants to hone his skills to be able to make the bacon that takes 10 days to put on the sandwich yeah. or the chutney that takes three days to make or you know whatever it is there's skills that were learned over 25 years that go into making a sandwich and i know that sounds like a bit of a wank mm. but it's true and mm. you can apply that to making an omelet or scrambled eggs or you know a chocolate biscuit mm. Sure, you can get a chocolate biscuit from Arnott's down at Woolworths, whatever it is, but sometimes someone has dedicated a year of their life to making a really good chocolate biscuit. Mm-hmm. Respect them for that. Yeah. Take the time, enjoy it, and pay the money for it. And don't come to me and say, oh, but I could do that at home. I don't doubt it, but I do doubt that it's as good. Yeah. Do you... So when you were establishing, was it tough? Like, was it sort of a leap of faith that you had to make to say we're going to do really bloody good sandwiches we're going to make everything from scratch and we believe that there's a clientele in Wollongong who's going to get behind it yes yeah it was um, but we this is going to sound really trite but we believed that it could work there's a lot of research that went into it not only the product but also where to put the shop mm-hmm. so we figured let's see we started five years ago and they were Ten dollars eighty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were ten dollars eighty for a sandwich, which was a big deal to crack the ten dollar mm. in Wollongong. Um, and we thought we'd go either near where the lawyers are or where the doctors are, okay. because they would have a disposable income and that they would care about what they put in their body. So that if we said we can trace the provenance of every single thing in that sandwich back to, you know, ethically, sustainably, etc. sourced, um, that they would be the ones that would be willing to pay for it. So Wollongong Hospital is a teaching hospital, which means they attract doctors and staff from all around Australia, but mainly um, Sydney and Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So they would have a um, discerning palate they would have the disposable income and that they would care about what they put in their body. So mm-hmm. we went near the hospital. So that was our that was our main thing, was mm-hmm. to find the market and set up next to that market. Do you get a lot of the people that you were originally targeting? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. 
So we got originally it was it was doctors, and then um, they would change over terms because a lot of them were residents, and then they would tell the next people, and then they would come, um, and then we were getting people that would uh, stop on like a weekend road trip down to Berry, and yeah, no, it worked cool. in that respect. It worked. Awesome. Um, talking about you know tracing the provenance of stuff, you know, you, as you said, it takes you three days. How many days did it take to make your bacon? Oh, about two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's just one example. Like, do you want to give us a couple of other examples of stuff that you make from scratch because you believe it's important to make the best sandwich? <laughs> um, Everything. The, yeah, so the, the pastrami, the pickles, uh, the sauerkraut, the bacon, uh, the mayo, which we've now changed to be egg-free mayo, um, all the chutneys, all the relishes, all the cakes, croissants, the only thing we don't make is the bread. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a hard process to find the right bread? Oh, <laughs> yes. So five years ago when we first opened, we tried to get bread from Sydney mm-hmm. because uh, we couldn't find anything down here that we were, you know, really set on. No one delivered bread from Sydney. So you couldn't get Sonoma or Brasserie oh, yeah. or, um, uh, you know, whatever else. It was Victoire, I don't know. Uh, Iggy's still can't really get Iggy's which is a real shame because it's so good Um, where else was that you couldn't get bread from anywhere and no one would deliver it and we couldn't go up every day and get it so we knew that we would have to get bread from here in Wollongong so we got it from Berry which is a great product it's organic and um, Yoast is awesome and uh, we couldn't get it every day even then, from Berry. So we had to work out a way around it, and that's why we toast them. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing, was if you toast the bread, whenever you go somewhere and you get a toasty, and they toast the bread and they leave, like, every, it's already pre-made, you're curdling the mayonnaise and the herbs or the green in there go floppy and wilt. Why don't you toast the bread separately and then build it? And make a sandwich. Because, yeah, exactly. So that was where it came from, because we couldn't get fresh bread. Yeah. Was there a lot of, um, like, does your menu develop a lot? Does the sandwich, have you, or have you got some, like, core things that stay there and then you've got a few bits and pieces that change? We change, uh, there are certain things we can't change. Reuben? Uh, can't take the Reuben off. We tried taking the My Beef with Korea off, can't take it off. Really? That's cool. It's a good sandwich, yeah. that one. Uh, the lamb we used to change in summer, but people kept asking for the same one, so yeah, we had okay. to just leave it the same. <laughs> Uh, the chicken we've tried changing, but in terms of costing, it's really challenging. Yep. So we use a beautiful free-range chicken, and then you need to find a way to bulk that out, essentially, because if we charge what we needed to charge, if we put as much chicken as someone needs to feel full, they couldn't afford it. Well, they could probably afford it, but they would not want to pay it. Mm-hmm. And so the best thing we found to bulk it out with is corn, because corn and chicken go together so well. Mm-hmm. Um, Tried different things, didn't go as well. We changed the vegetarian a lot. That's a really nice way to play, and you can be really seasonal and local with it. Uh, can't take the breakfast roll off. Yeah, mm. we kind so of got like stuck. when you're developing those ones that are staples. Is there lots of testing to get it just exactly where you want it? Yeah, you know how thick is it, your bread slices are, how much of each everything you put on. Yeah, yeah. so. <laughs> Everything's weighed out. Uh, everything is measured. Uh, when we trial different sandwiches, there has to be 
um, a protein, a carbohydrate, uh, two condiments, some sort of green, and a variation in texture. Um, and if it's vegetarian, it's a nice challenge. Then there's one that's vegan, that was another good challenge. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool, yeah. I think. Do you, it's obsessive. Is that, is that, <laughs> yeah, exactly, it shows. Um, so what, have you got like sandwich spreadsheets and stuff like that you, that you fill in? <laughs> Some sort of algorithm that makes the perfect sandwich. I don't know. There's like a, there is a formula. I reckon there's yeah. a formula. There's a definite formula, and I there don't is. know. After a while, it just becomes second nature. Yeah. So anyway, it's there's there a total art to getting a sandwich right. Like I was putting sandwiches together for a lot of my childhood, and I don't know. You just got to have the right, like you got to have the the right amount of the spread. Whatever you choose the spread on there, like it's got to be the right amount. You can't just put a thin layer of. You know, whatever it might be, depending on how strong that spread is, or you know, gotta have the right amount of lettuce, not too much, or whatever it is. It's weird because, well, I think it's kind of weird that there, there's a sandwich that we have called My Beef with Vegetarians. So it's a play on My Beef with Korea, but it's vegetarian, and um, it involves uh, kimchi that we make here, um, the mayo, which actually happens to be vegan that we changed recently, um, the um, a an eggplant schnitzel that is, and the eggplant is marinated in Korean. Um, in a Korean marinade and then that's made into a schnitzel and then there's rocket and cheese. And the thing is that we tried it with the cheese put on top of the schnitzel and the schnitzel kind of half melted the cheese and it was just didn't work. But if you put the rocket between the schnitzel and the cheese, it worked. Yeah. And, for example, if you put the hot element like the lamb or the pork or whatever on the mayo side of the bread the mayo splits but if you put it on the condiment side then the condiment melts in with the protein and the mayo is put above the rocket. yeah it's a thing love it um <laughs> sorry our, our staff training <laughs> yeah i know it's it's intense <laughs> yeah um and you got you like a up. list in front of them saying it goes on in this order and this goes on each yes. side and yeah <laughs> there is um, i guess then the perfect progression from being obsessive about sandwiches is moving on to something like croissants and pastry because there's a world of, you know, honing practices to, to get it right. So is that like, why'd you start making croissants? Was it the next challenge or was it just something you loved and you wanted to get right? Or uh, Always, I just always wanted to make them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I suppose. Um, I don't know, just always... It's always fascinated me. Like, the science of it is really, like, really cool. Yeah. Um, Give me a, a brief history uh, of the like, I don't know. What makes them interesting and challenging? Because you've got... Firstly, I love working with yeasted doughs. So, initially, started working with brioche and wanted to get the brioche right. So, that we got that sorted. Um, and then worked for a little while with... Um, with sourdough and, and starting a mother and all that. And that, that's fascinating in itself, I think. And then um, working with a puff pastry. And then the next was to work out... You've got two raising agents with a croissant. So you've got the yeasted dough, and it's like you get a good flavour from that. If, and then you've got the fact that each layer of yeasted dough is risen by the butter in between each layer uh, getting hot in the oven and letting go of the water content and making steam and pushing up each layer. Mm. So you've got two raising agents, the dough 
and the yeast in the dough and the butter between the layers and to get both of them right is kind of cool yeah I don't challenge it's not sweet I don't particularly like sweet things um, but I do like working with the yeast of doughs yeah and there's a certain amount of in, I don't know there's a certain amount of intuition or understanding or kind of just feeling the dough it sounds really wanky totally but um, in a way that I don't think there is with things that don't have yeast yeah anyway. um, I think that once you really get get deep into anything any practice whether it's making croissants or playing with the fire like Yon does up at either Sandy's or whatever you've got to have a feel for it like and yeah it's sort of muscle memory almost in a sense it's like you remember from your mistakes from last time and, and, and keep pushing forward um, and so you don't want to feel a bit of wholesale when it comes to pastries and bagels and croissants and, and stuff yeah a little yeah. bit yeah it's um, it's a good I think going back to the idea of having a certain amount of creative freedom as an owner um, but you're obviously at the mercy of all sorts of market forces um, government in, you know government legislation and whether people actually want to come and eat in your restaurant <laughs> um, and um, it's sometimes really difficult uh, to make it to make a living um, even if everyone's feedback is really positive it's still a challenge but to have a, a constant source of income whether it's from things like catering or wholesale um, or um, I don't know, like selling jars of jam or something down the markets. Um, it's that extra backup. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never really understood why it was that people kind of just keep opening another aspect of their business. Like they might do all days and then they start opening on nights. They might do Monday to Friday and then they start opening on the weekend. And it's just to make a living. It's not because they want to take over the world. It's just to make enough to live on. Mm. And... Uh yeah, Jon was saying about how, I mean, that was probably a starting point for you guys to start doing dinners here and then, and then led to eat at Sand. Yeah, the yeah. dinners were fun. The, I really liked those menus. They were, they were good. Well, yeah. they, were, they were to my style. And um, it, was, it was fun. Um, it was the first time I got to do um, a dinner service and sort of run kitchen by myself. It was, yeah, it was good fun. Really good fun. Do you think that... Like, to me, from the outside, it seems like implementing something like a monthly dinner and being able to fill the, fill the place with people who, you know, believe in what you guys do and that, you, especially on something like the first one you did, people only knowing what you do during the daytime and just believing that you guys will do something good at nighttime as well. Do you, like, that seems to me to be a reflection of what we were talking about before, people who actually understand that, you know, you're putting putting so much effort and passion and attention to detail in what you do and are willing to support it and stand behind it that's a pretty cool reflection do you, do you sort of agree with that it's it's very nice um <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh yeah i suppose so to a certain extent i think i think people respond to honesty and transparency so i don't i think that people enjoy coming here partly because it is it's warm and there's a sense of gen- generosity about it um, and a true sense of hospitality um, so 
you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the food has a certain amount to do with that. But I think that there's a general attitude of wanting to share and being, you know, truly dedicated to what it is that you do. And I, um, I don't think you can fudge that. Yep. I think you can either feel it or you can't. And um, I would like to think that people respond to that mm. general do you, attitude. Do you reckon that? Do you reckon that now with like social media, Instagram, whatever, Facebook, and the internet, your customer base being able to connect with what you do, not just by coming here and eating lunch, by also checking out what you're doing on social media, do you think that that aids that to be able to tell your story in, on a different platform rather than just through your menu? Because you you may not get to interact with every customer that walks in here, but if they look at what you know the time and effort you're putting in in the pastry kitchen on instagram or whatever it gives them another avenue of understanding i don't know i don't think i'm i don't understand it well enough yeah i don't i think my i i don't have a facebook account um and i'm quite slow i was quite slow to adopt social media uh with instagram mm. um i don't I don't get it. I don't. I, I don't understand it. It kind of gives it the shit sometimes because sometimes well, it's people work t- at times as well. It's like, you know. yeah, yeah. You're right. It does. I'll, I'll give you that. But I suppose the thing is that someone can react to something. You know, like you, you have a photo up and you know, fifty people say, "Oh my god, that looks amazing." But you sell like two. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> maybe there's an intangible that you know someone will come next time. Um, and you can't really measure that. Um, I'm really not good with that marketing stuff. Yeah. I should be better, but uh. I, I, I grant that it has a, a role to play, um, but I don't know how to harness it, mm. maybe. I'm not really... It depends on who you're going for and stuff as well. Like, I mean, I think that there's people that... Um, there's some businesses, especially in the bigger cities, that create sample accounts of what their Instagram is going to look like before their venue opens, for example, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, people use it in different ways. I don't think... (laughs) My view would be that the market that uses Instagram and and is heavily influenced by an Instagram account is a fickle market. Mm. And my argument would then be... I don't want a fickle market. I want a genuine, long-lasting, respectful market that will come to me over an extended period of time and build a relationship with me and my food, not my photos on Instagram. Um, that That's my feeling from someone who's not in their 30s anymore. Um, and for that reason, possibly missed... I'm not the market. And... Um, from standing possibly outside and looking in, I, I, I question the longevity of that market, if that's what mm. you're seeking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I agree. Um, I don't know. I guess I, guess I, I probably had not thinking too much through my own lens, which is one of where if I hear about a new restaurant, look at, look at what they're doing on social media and see that they're hand-making their own croissants in in, in their space that they have available or breaking down whole fish to put in their wood-fired oven. They're, they're things that sort of 
prick my ears up a little bit and, and make me go they're, they're doing they're doing things well like they're, they're making the effort you know what I mean so it, it, it makes me sort of you know gain an understanding of, yeah, of, of the integrity of a place through that avenue that you don't necessarily get like I mean the only other way is that if you go into a place and buy a croissant you've got to ask them if they make them there or not unless it says it's yeah, I, you know, I'll, I'll take that. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I would, I would agree with that. But I suppose the thing is that the places that I see as being, you know, like have like a hundred thousand followers or you know yeah. something ridiculous <laughs> like that, um, their their food is often designed by their chef to photograph well, specifically yeah. for Instagram, and it's got nothing That's to awesome. do with any pictures of like you know cutting and breaking yeah, down the fish and all the right. rest of it. It's purely like milkshakes with fucking donuts and shit yeah. on top, like. I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and that's what I mean about when I'm pretty seeing it pretty simplistically through the way that I look at it. Um, because yeah, there's definitely places out there that run a run a trend that that explodes and goes viral or whatever it is, and yeah. it's really good for them. But what are they really doing at the end of the day? Well, yeah. You know? Look, if <laughs> I if I contrast like some you know milkshakey thing, um, and then. Um, and then look at, for example, the Instagram for um, St. Peter. Yeah. It, like, that's beautiful. Yeah. You know, and, and it shows you exactly what you've said, like, from, from beginning to end and, and his passion for his product. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. And, and yeah, absolutely, I, I you know, I, I enjoy the window into his kitchen through using his Instagram. Account. Yeah. But on the other hand, that's kind of... You know, it's kind of like a musician's musician or a chef's chef. Like, that's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, just talk briefly about hospitality in Illawarra and in Wollongong in particular. Like, I guess a thread that I've noticed as I've talked to a bunch of different owners or chefs is that probably the, the last two years has been a time in which you've seen more venues come up that have, like... That do have a like, I mean, there's more venues across the board, but also with that comes places doing things really well. Like, what's what's your view of where where we're we're out here in Wollongong now and the change over the last couple of years? Uh, I think it's great. I think it's it's positive, but um, it's it's still limited. I think it's limited by the market the market hasn't moved as quickly like I don't think the market has become as as educated as it needs to be to support the, that many new above average venues mm-hmm. why do you say that oh. like do you think that my view would be that maybe with the establishment of more above average venues comes education to the market and they both sort of feed each other uh, yeah, I'd agree with that on a, at a certain level, but there's got it like the curves have to move together. Yeah. Like the, I, the curves are not moving okay. together, I don't think. Um, uh, I know that there are a lot of food businesses that are feeling feeling the pinch, you know, in Sydney, and I know that in Wollongong it's the same. Um, but uh, I think the thing is that when Jan and I moved down here, and initially opened five years ago, we enjoyed the fact that we were one of the first to open something a bit different um, to a market that was not very fickle. 
mm. and it couldn't afford to be fickle because there weren't that many places to go which meant that if you were slightly above average it stuck out hugely so we kind of enjoyed that for a little while um, the thing is what what I feel is that there's so many new places the market isn't large enough to, to support that um, all of a sudden the market is spoilt for choice they're extremely fickle because they're just like ah, overload um, and they haven't yet learnt to discern between what's pretty mediocre mm-hmm. and who's busting their balls mm-hmm. so um, I would I would imagine it's the same in every industry yeah um, and it's just not quite mature yet here um, yeah it's it's quite interesting because one of the other things that we were looking at was uh, there's this there's in terms of the generations of chefs that are in Wollongong at the moment there's quite a few that are in their um, late 20s to early 30s and then there's you know a few that are kind of in their 50s that have that sort of you know helped make the food industry down here like um, Michael from Michael's and he's now Barlissimo and then there's Lorenzo from Lorenzo's um, but then in the middle chefs in their 40s there's no one mm-hmm. there's well Jon's 42 but in terms of anyone of Gen X they they all left Wollongong because there was nowhere to work yeah okay so the guys that stayed are these older guys in their 50s and they're kind of you know they're getting to the end of their careers and then there's all these new guys that have moved down from wherever it is that have seen Wollongong as being a new option but in the middle of the mature guys at the height of their career kind of thing they're not here they're in Sydney or they're in Melbourne or they're in overseas and in some ways I think that the Wollongong food um, scene has kind of missed that because there's not that experience mm. yeah it's a good point do you yeah I mean I've definitely noticed that somewhat in the in the people that we're dealing with for this publication in terms mm-hmm. of the owners and stuff yeah there's yeah. not that real died in the wool experience of having gone through seeing that old school stuff and then has now come through and applied it to their own style mm. um and uh, I think that's a bit. Of, it's a bit of a shame, um, but that's kind of where the Wollongong market is. So when you say like, is it in that for, kind of for that reason? I don't think it's as mature as it could be in some ways. Do you reckon? Do you reckon with like? I mean, there's so many people from Sydney now choosing to live down here because yep. it's you know it's it's cheaper than Sydney and nicer than Penrith. Um, <laughs> cooler yeah yeah <laughs> um do you see do you see sort of a, an, an upswing happening happening over the next couple of years because of that uh yeah hopefully kind of waiting for it uh there's a lot of people that have made the i hate this expression sea change um and from yeah from, yeah <laughs> uh and have made money in like finance or something and have thought that it would kind of always be really cool to open a cafe mm-hmm. and so you get a quite a, you get a few of those mm-hmm. and then you get a few that are like you know seriously well experienced and um, have seen Wollongong as a as an opportunity which it is um, and it'll I'll be really interested to see you know three four years mm. where 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 it lies mm. 
Yeah, well, yeah, well, hopefully you get a, a sort of a bit of both worlds in terms of people opening places and a market that, that knows, is discerning of, of quality, that, that can support quality businesses and really build build a solid industry here that, you know, that's, you know, the, the, the balance is fair between the market and the, the number of establishments and it sort of works, it supports itself. Yeah, well, there, yeah, there's got to be some sort of integral where it crosses over in it, yeah. yeah. But um, I'll, I'll be really interested to see. Mm. It, it's a problem also because there's a real skill shortage in Wollongong, particularly chefs, um, although that is changing because you're getting more um, qualified chefs coming down. But the, the, the TAFE system is not, not supporting the need for really well-trained um, well-trained apprentices coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a, there, there is a lot of opportunity here in the sense of access to good produce, though. Like, I, you know, the producers that I've met and the farms that are around and, and stuff like that, it's, not, it's still a regional place. You can get up to the Highlands in 45 minutes to, to get whatever they've got up there and, you know, down it's, towards yeah. Dr. Albany Park and stuff. It's, it's That's absolutely true. There are There is some beautiful stuff around to use. Yeah. Uh, it, it does get a little bit difficult if there are specific things you want. Um, sometimes you, you just can't get them. Mm. Um, and I think, I think it depends on how much time you've got to go and source all that stuff mm. um, and I think a lot of these places are you know really new and still um, still developing their systems and um, and it'll take a little while I think the other thing is that very often some of that stuff comes in a little more expensive than the other stuff and I'm not saying it isn't warranted that it should be it's it's you know there's a lot of time and effort that's put into this kind of stuff um, and you know they're they're organic and they don't you know it's difficult growing things down on the wet on the floodplains mm-hmm. in Dapto, you yeah. know. Um, but unfortunately, because as we said before, the market maybe isn't as discerning as it could be. There's no there's no room for price movement. Mm. Um, so you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Um, which so is maybe a real shame. Opportunities for like the yeah the higher end places that are charging a lot more for for their food, but yeah, it must be hard on them. Yeah. Oh, look, I would, I would you the the challenges of running a fine dining restaurant are far exceed <laughs> my imagination. I, I can't even imagine. It would be you'd have to be seriously dedicated with no children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Cool. Um, I think we can leave it there. Awesome. Thanks for talking to. You. No problem. Thank you for listening to my chat with Emma Huber from Sandy Goodwich in Wollongong. I hope you learned something. Fantastic cafe it is, and we're really thankful that they gave us a recipe to the Illawarra cookbook. If you want to find out more about what they do, you can check out their website, sandygoodwich.com.au. And if you want to find out more about us, you can check out our website, quicksandfood.com. You can also find us at Quicksand Food on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Get out there and get the book. The Illawarra Cookbook is available from all good retailers in the Illawarra and on the South Coast. Thank you for listening to this Quicksand Food podcast. Steph Postuma here and we'll catch you again next time. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 